Thank you for downloading this episode of AccuTrainee's Conversations in Law with me, your host, Hobster Co. In this episode, I talk to Kevin O'Shea, a legal recruitment expert, about what it means to be a modern lawyer and how expectations of legal professionals have changed over time. Enjoy. I think it's safe to say that lawyers have shared the same relationship with their clients and employers for the past 100 years. They have acted as both scholars and advocates, defining both appropriate social conduct and commercial conduct through common and statutory law. Yet despite this key role in shaping our laws, law firms have historically avoided investing in research and development and have not advanced how they've delivered their services. However, in the modern world, the rise of technology and changing consumer and business needs has prompted rapid changes in the legal industry as lawyers are expected to go beyond their role of providing solely legal advice and to rely on new methods of engaging with and supplying to their clients. This has prompted a search within the industry for the new modern lawyer, often referred to as the 21st century lawyer. In this episode of Conversations in Law, we aim to delve into this concept of a 21st century lawyer and uncover what attributes a legal professional needs to progress in their career today. To help me with this, I'm joined by Kevin O'Shea, Director of Operations for AccuTrainee. Kevin has spent 19 years working in recruitment and has focused on legal recruitment for the last nine years. He is perfectly placed then to talk about changes to the legal industry, in particular what it is that law firms and in-house teams look for when recruiting and how their expected skill sets and knowledge base has evolved over the years. Thank you for joining me, Kevin. Thank you, Hobbs. It's a pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to have you. Uh, so I've called this episode the search for the 21st century lawyer, and perhaps what I meant by that is the search for the key attributes that any current and potential lawyer needs to demonstrate. So, so my first question to you is, why do you think it is necessary that law lawyers and law firms have to develop this new model of lawyer? Um, why is the historic model no longer relevant in today's world? Yes, thank you, Hobbs. The the question is a really good one, and, and it plays well to the advance in and changes that are coming in the legal world. Traditionally, lawyers were experts in one specific area and were paid really, really well for having deep, deep technical knowledge in their chosen subject matter. And that still exists today. If you you need a tax lawyer, you will seek out the very best tax lawyer there is. And you know you will end up, depending on what level you're prepared to spend, you will end up choosing somebody based on their knowledge and skill set and cost. As the legal landscapes evolved, in commercial terms, we've seen a huge impact of technology, uh, a huge increase in the size of in-house teams, and many legal service providers entering the market. And that's been happening over the last 20 years, but but has really accelerated in the last 10 years. And that is all having an impact on the ability of lawyers to do business and get paid very well for their deep knowledge in one area. Don't get me wrong, there is still a core group of top law firms and top lawyers that are very knowledgeable in one area that will always do very, very well. But the impact of these other aspects on the legal landscape has meant that lawyers 
in order to be successful, have to have the ability to adapt. And that ability to adapt means designing themselves as a 21st century lawyer, so being a business person, understanding technology. So that's what I, that is exactly what a lawyer themselves should be looking to build in terms of their skill set, unless they very much want to be uh, deep and technical in one specific area, they need to consider those other impacts on, on themselves. Do you think then that the highly knowledgeable, very specific lawyer that we've sort of come to expect from certain law firms and certain individuals, that's the way of the past, that sort of the dying breed of lawyer, and that eventually all lawyers are going to be, you know, well versed in various different aspects of law and business and other commercial uh, areas? I think I think there will always be a place in the world for those deep technical lawyers that know one subject matter incredibly well. But there is no doubt in my mind that law firms that have those lawyers have seen their market share dwindle over the last 20 years. And that is in response to the changes that have been happening. An in-house team in-house teams have grown substantially, which means there is less reliance on law firms. So again, and, and many in-house teams would come back to you and say, the need to be broader in your skill set in order to meet the needs of the business is incredibly important. So that's already an example of where a, uh, uh, this new type of lawyer will be more successful potentially than the more traditional uh, model of a lawyer. But if you then add in technology, you then add in legal service providers that are all taking chunks out of law firms' traditional business model, you will see the need for lawyers to adapt and to change and to become this new type of lawyer over the more traditional lawyer. So I think there's still a place, but I, that this is an area, no doubt, where many lawyers that are qualifying or looking to qualify now must be looking towards because that's where the majority of the opportunity will exist. So you're still saying that the modern law is sort of the Renaissance man of today's times in terms of... I suppose it is. Yes, yeah. I suppose it is. So you're sort of looking for this 21st century lawyer is this commercial all-rounder professional. You introduced me to this concept of the T-shaped lawyer. Um, so the idea that a modern lawyer needs an entrenched and thorough knowledge of their legal field, sort of the long vertical bar of the T, but also knowledge of wider disciplines, as a shallow or horizontal bar of the T. So if then we're saying that the modern lawyer, the 21st century lawyer, is going to be T-shaped, they're going to have this thorough knowledge of law that is expected of them, but they will also be complemented by a suite of other skills and add value to the services that they're providing to their clients and if they're in-house to their employer. But do you think then that this sort of numerous set of skills that we're expecting the modern lawyer to have is going to be quite a lot to expect of any individual? Yes, I think it is. You know, it is a great deal to expect. But then if you look at other, you know, professional services companies such as if you look at the big four consulting firms and you look at a business analyst or a project manager, you will see 
that in order to be a successful management consultant, you will have many of these skills that we're talking about in, in your, you know, in your pocket. You will already be, um, you will have an understanding of process improvement and mapping. You will, you know, have had some project management and change management experience. You will be very good at business analysis. You will be expected to have leadership and management skills. You will expect to have risk management. You will expect to be able to, you know, do simplification. You will expect to have an understanding of tech and data. So are we really asking so much from a modern lawyer to have those skills as well as having legal knowledge? And perhaps, you know, I don't think we are. I think that other areas have had to pick up those skills. And I think it's time for for lawyers to pick up those skills. And maybe that will dilute some of their deep technical legal knowledge, but maybe that's not such a bad thing, especially when we're talking in the context of a in-house lawyer, a business person that is there to support the business and facilitate business, not to, which may be seen in a traditional sense, stop the business because of, of risk. So sort of saying that because other professionals have had have been expected to have these raft of skills, uh, lawyers have sort of gotten away with only relying on their legal knowledge and their clients and their employers will sort of expect them to bring more to the business to the business to the work that they're supplying. Yeah, and I and I don't think lawyers actually have lacked in in these areas. This is just a little bit more of a clarification. These are the this is the, the the broad knowledge that you should be you should have. Now, many lawyers would say they understand project management or case management. They may say, well, we have good analysis skills. Well, as a partner, they've had to have leadership and management. Even more junior lawyers are expected to manage paralegals you know, or more uh, junior legal professionals. So it's not like these skills have not existed in law at all. They have. But this, the, what, what is lovely about the T-shaped model is that it clarifies, you know, the downward deep knowledge that you need, but also the broad set of skills you will need to be successful in the 21st century as a lawyer. And that's why I think that model is so popular. So sort of the skills that lawyers have been using internally within law firms, the leadership, uh, project management skills, it's then applying those outwardly towards their clients as well. Absolutely. And ev every client is now demanding that of their lawyers. They Yes, they may demand some traditional things in terms of, you know, you, you it shouldn't have mistakes. They want good advice. They want you know, uh, uh, they want good risk analysis. They want the options laid out for them. But they also demand an understanding of the business that they're working in. And I, I don't know how a lawyer can understand an in-house team's business unless they have an understanding of these other, they have these other skills and experiences. Because it so doesn't lend itself to giving the very best advice to that client if they don't understand their business. 
essentially then you're saying that the T-shaped lawyer, you can summarize it as having three main categories of knowledge and skill. The legal knowledge that any lawyer is going to need to have, the business knowledge and skills. So this is things from leadership, project management, commercial awareness, if you want to sort of cover it all up. Yeah. And then a sort of technical, technological knowledge. Uh, so using modern technology, but also understanding modern trends in society and how that impacts on the business. Yeah, hugely important. So it's sort of drilling down to, well, I mean, law firms tend to call it commercial awareness a lot. You see that phrase thrown about a lot. Could you maybe sort of share your thoughts on what you think this commercial awareness covers exactly? Yes, and, and I suppose there's a commercial awareness in business and there's a commercial awareness in legal. But commercial awareness in business is really the ability to understand what makes a business successful through the buying and selling of products or the supply of services to the market. So there's a huge amount of skills and knowledge that goes into making a business successful. So that would be commercial awareness within a business sense, but in a legal sense, it really means the, the business environment within, within which a law firm is operating and its clients are operating. So it's understanding the client's business needs to provide the proper legal advice for that client. So you see it more of a personalised approach to giving legal advice. You're understanding your client's needs better both personally, commercially, whatever it is, and then making sure the advice that you're giving is personalised and tailored to that end, so sort of a tailored service in law. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you're, as a good example for a student who may be targeting a leading national or international law firm, they may decide, you know, in order to get a job with that uh, uh, that specific law firm, or, or maybe even a top 10 law firm, what are the steps that I need to take to develop my awareness of that, that business? I may read the Financial Times. I may set up uh, uh, Google alerts uh, in my email about that specific firm. I may read any news about that firm. I may... You know, I may just, while I'm at university, try to develop my social, you know, business skills. I might join clubs and societies. I, you know, may listen to legal podcasts, for example, <laughs> which which would give you greater commercial awareness so that when you apply to that firm, when you're interviewed by that firm, you have a greater knowledge base to draw on to impress that client, to impress them as a firm, to then hire you. And if I could, I you know, I don't think many law graduates that are going to interview at law firms are talking much about machine learning or AI or coding that they may have done at university. Yet the Harvard Business School is offering, Harvard Law School, sorry, is offering a coding course for lawyers for free, which which allows is specifically designed to introduce lawyers to the world of coding. So if you've sat that course and you're sitting in front of a partner that brings up that subject matter, and then you are able to talk 
confidently about that, you will absolutely stand out from the crowd. And you have shown that you have the commercial awareness to develop your skills outside of just your deep technical knowledge in one area. So it's not just about developing the skills yourself, but it's demonstrating it to you know potential employers and to others, which sort of where social media plays a part in this. Things like LinkedIn, where you're building up a following, showing your skill setting or knowledge of a particular area, that's become quite important to the modern lawyer and to modern professionals. Yes, I think it is. I, I think it's hugely important. I think that does almost show your ability to you know understand what commercial awareness is the truth is you know in a law firm setting a law firm will invest a significant amount of money in each trainee solicitor they bring on sticking with the example of a trainee solicitor so they will want to ensure that their trainees or the trainees that they recruit have knowledge and understanding of the business world at large especially in a more globalized world that we live in where you have these huge international law firms dealing with massive cross-border issues you know in in that type of environment they want to have a solicitor that understands that backdrop for the clients that they work with and and that is driven by the fact that the clients want a solicitor working with them that have a firm grasp of their needs. So, you know, commercial awareness for a law firm is understanding your client's needs, having a, a wide understanding of the industry in which the client operates, understanding how the client may interact or, you know, perform well with its against its competitors, and also having an understanding of what leads to success for that client. So it's enormously important that you are able to demonstrate that you have that knowledge and understanding, or that's what law firms will look for in a potential trainee solicitor. And so you briefly mentioned then that a lot of people going to interviews aren't necessarily talking about technology, law tech, that is sort yeah. of rising and being deployed um, across the legal industry. Um, do you think that law firms are a bit wary of embracing this technology or, or do you think that it's something that they're, they're readily to going to accept? I mean, I, it's, it's a multi-part answer, this one. But mm. I, I do think traditionally law firms are very risk averse. So and, and we can all accept that. And that means the adoption of technology and change in working practices is going to be slower perhaps within a legal setting. Some would call it glacial, the speed at which change has happened. However, you know, that has served law firms very well and they're very good at what they do. I think the second part of that question is the model that law firms have, which is a partnership model, a, you know, decision making by consensus and the fact that it in commercial terms, cuts into, uh, comes out of the partner's pocket when they wish to invest in technology, which can be hugely expensive, has meant law firms have been very slow to adopt technology. 
I think also, personally speaking, I have been very disappointed by the technology in the legal sector today. There seems to be a huge number of players claiming they've got good legal tech and you know many claiming they have AI which I don't truly think exists because we don't really have AI we just have machine learning I think there was always a fear that lawyers were going to get replaced but that hasn't happened and actually the technology seems to be incredibly far off doing that what really is happening is obviously technology is becoming more aligned for lawyers to use but there is no doubt that the change is continuing and technology, as we have all seen, is playing a much bigger part in our personal and working lives. So the lawyers that get more comfortable with technology and are prepared to spend on technology will be more successful. So sort of another feather in this 21st century lawyer's cap is this understanding of technology, your their willingness to um, involve themselves with it and you know, work alongside it and use it to complement the work that they're producing. But if we sort of look then at uh, less science fiction technology options, but into sort of more everyday technology, the social media uh, side of things, you mentioned yes. earlier that building a brand as an individual um, is sort of a key factor in most professionals' lives. It's becoming a key factor in a lawyer's life. Um, so do you think that a 21st century law should have an understanding of how to use social media uh, to raise their brand awareness? Yes, absolutely. In a traditional sense, growing your following or building your following was deemed an absolute must for any aspiring partner in the traditional model. Once you had developed a following or developed a group of business contacts that trusted you and in fact were able to bring in more business to the firm you were allowed to have a seat at the table and the seat at the table paid really really well now perhaps opportunities for partnership are fewer than before and the you know potential remuneration is lower but that still is true within a law firm environment. It's a little bit like having a star footballer or a star salesman. Anyone that brings in significant revenue for the firm is always going to be put on a pedestal and looked after. So in a very, it, just in a traditional sense, it's sensible to grow your social media presence, grow your LinkedIn presence, grow your brand. And not everybody can do, you know, podcasts or YouTube videos or is completely comfortable with doing that thing, frankly. However, there are, you know, a number of things that you can do, such as just having a broad LinkedIn network that can impact your commercial viability as a lawyer to be paid more, to be more valued within a firm. So I think building a following or building a social media presence, you know, building a network is incredibly important. I think also, as the world is becoming increasingly globalised, there, there is less reliance on the people around you within a, a media circle. You know, I'm in London, in 
North London and I work in an office in North London and I expect most of my customers will be from North London and will walk through the door if I'm working in a, a small branch of a law firm. That is less important with the advent of the internet and the ability for a customer in North London to search for the best you know, lawyer they can find with a particular subject matter. So it's increasingly more important that your online presence is stronger. Not only that, actually having a, you know, LinkedIn social media actually makes it really easy for us to cross those physical boundaries because I can tomorrow link in with a Brazilian lawyer that I saw, you know, on television perhaps and say I saw you on television so I'm linking in with you and they may accept they may not but it, it's easy to do that you know so there's no reason actually not to do it and do you think then that the sort of lockdown and the move to working from home that will sort of spark or prompt people to pursue this virtual form of networking as opposed to relying on face-to-face meetings I think it has to I think there's no doubt that we are moving into a a period of uncertainty, but the you know reliance on having a big corporate office where everybody comes in every day from eight till late and is there is less important. We have seen law firms adapt really, really quickly to the coronavirus pandemic, as have many firms, and it has been shown that you can have people working from home effectively and you don't need necessarily need everybody to come into a physical office and you know one of the things that actually may become a problem is you know there may be mental health issues associated with isolation but perhaps one of the positive things that social media can do or building this network is that you have a slightly different support network which is not to replace seeing people, because you will always have your family and friends that you will see, but perhaps in a working context, it will actually help to resolve that sense of isolation and you know, encourage team networking with the ability for everybody to jump on a call together and get group ideas. You know, Even in an office sense, it's really hard to get everybody in a room together all at the same time at a moment's notice, but it can be done you know, with technology, much easier. So, you know, it, we are entering a really interesting time, but there is no doubt that social media networking technology will play an even greater part in a lawyer's life in the next 10, 20 years and beyond. So with sort of building your, your following on social media, as well with all of the other skills that we've spoken about that this 21st century lawyer needs to have, do you think that these are skills that should be developed as part of a legal education? Or do you think that they're skills that can only be developed through experience, through working in law firms or working in, in businesses? Well, I mean, I think it has to be both. It's widely accepted that, you know, the, the most successful educational programmes allow you to learn, study and learn and then put them into practice. I don't know the exact percentage, but I think it's something like you retain 14% of a subject that you learn, but don't put into practice. But if you put into practice, it's closer to 70%. 
hopefully I, I've got that kind of stat correct because I don't know the exact stats, but I think that's relatively accurate. So I think it's really important that any educational system gives you the opportunity to learn the skill, but then you have the ability to then put that into practice, which is why actually, you know, a traditional training contract can be very good because arguably you are learning and passing the the LPC, for example, and then you have two years work experience where you're putting that into practice. You know, arguably, maybe some form of mixed training contract would actually be better. And, and the advent of the SQE is very interesting because you can perhaps even get your two years work experience before then passing your, you know, your exams, your SQE, or be doing your exams and, and swatting for your exams prior, uh, while in fact, while doing your work experience at the same time. So perhaps that will be even better. But do you not think then that if you're saying these skills of this 21st century lawyer are partly learned as part of your legal education, that disadvantages people who are already in the legal industry who have done their legal education, didn't gain those skills as part of it, how, how do they then cope with the fact that the sort of legal career is moving different, in a different direction to what they were trained for? I mean, what's, I mean any lawyer can at any time decide to sign up to a learning and development portal where they gain additional knowledge. I mentioned earlier about the Harvard course that was designed specifically to introduce lawyers to coding. Now that's a pretty extreme example. They are, you know, you almost feel they are opposite ends of the spectrum. However, if you are a lawyer that, you know, and that's a free course, I believe, um, you go and do the course, uh, I, 14 odd lessons, half an hour each, and you maybe have your introduction to coding. That will help you think differently as a lawyer if you are then paired with a tech coder that was looking to build a system for you to, to complement what you're doing within law. So that would be a great example of a lawyer now who's in law, has never looked at coding, never really understood technology, would go and take that course. But then, of course, they need the opportunity to put that into practice. There is, I mean, there's been some great topics about cross-functional, cross-technical knowledge where you read, as an example, you read three different books all at the same time. So you might be reading, you know, one on coding, you might be one reading one on the evolution of man, and you may be reading one on, you know, the impact of law, uh, the, the tax changes within law, something, you know, three very different books. And there's a lot of thinking around the ability then for the brain to tie those different concepts together and for you to come up with a killer idea based on the fact that you've been reading these books independently, but also at the same time. So you, some of the best ideas in business and, and entrepreneurs have come from really unusual places. I couldn't have named three more different books there, but somebody's brain has tied together an idea from the knowledge they've gathered and come up with this killer idea that they then put into practice.
So do you think then that there is sort of scope for implementing the American uh, legal education system, which tends to see students pairing up both legal modules on their course with business modules or arts modules, things like that? Absolutely. What I do think, though, is perhaps slightly sadly, it's being left down to the individual at this point. So it's being left the SQE you know, as it stands, or my understanding is that you you have a degree, you get two years work experience, and you pass the two exams that we have set, and you can be a solicitor. Now, you know, there are, obviously the exams have some practical, much like they do now in the LPC, and obviously they have, you know, core skills that they're encouraging you to learn, but they're still examinations and you can still swat up and learn for those and then pass the exams. You know, in terms of the SQE1, it's just two multiple choice of 180 questions. SQE2 is much more practical. So that that is good. But does that really promote what you're talking about? Does that really promote over a period of time that I have learnt something and then put into practice? I don't think it necessarily does. And that's where it is. The onus will be on the individual primarily, but also potentially the law firm or training establishment that must establish their own framework within the framework of the that the SRA delivers via the SQE. Because I don't think that's necessarily coming from the SRA. I could be wrong, but I, that's the way I feel about it right now. I think, yes, the SQE is something to definitely go away and sort of think about. And potentially we have another conversation about that at a future date. It seems that there's drastic changes coming to legal education and there should be action taken by individuals or law firms into making sure that the changes that are being implemented are producing, as we said, this 21st century lawyer. That's exactly right. And I, I look at the models like the T-shaped lawyer or specifically the O-shaped lawyer, which is one that was developed by a group within the UK led by uh, Dan Kane, who's the general counsel of uh, Network Rail, who got together and decided that the, the traditional model of a lawyer was outdated and that they, like you know, many of the things we talked about today, want to see uh, the whole concept is a person, a business person first and a lawyer second. So their model is to develop that person first with some of the skills we've talked about, core skills, core business skills, but then develop them as a lawyer second. So I, th I think it's really interesting that we are seeing these types of methodologies and AccuTrainee as a company is very much looking into and trying to stay ahead of that new thinking so that we as a company can develop our lawyers to be 21st century lawyers, to be the lawyers of the future, to be the lawyers that find the jobs the easiest, the best paid jobs, you know, the best balanced jobs, the, the easiest out of any of the you know, types of providers like us. 
stewardship law is a reversal of how current you know, building a lawyer takes place. Because at the moment you start with, you build the foundations of legal knowledge and then add these additional leadership business management skills on top. Because as you were saying, the OSHEC law, you're starting with these skills and building the legal knowledge on top of that. Why do you think that that sort of method produces better results? Well, I think this goes back to the, you know, the education versus experience argument that, you know, you can't have one without the other in many ways. So, you know, there is no doubt that some firms value experience over education because they believe that's, you know, that's where they will get the most benefit. And there are other firms that value education over experience. But I think what we've you know, what we've come to understand is that you need both. And it's about how you build out that person. And the O'Shake lawyer's concept is that make a better person, make them with broader skill sets, help them to understand the context with which they're learning law, and they will then be a better lawyer. And I, I understand that view. And I sort of in, in fact, you could take that into any profession. This just doesn't have to be law. This is start with the person, make them a better person, and you will have a better employee. And then give them the knowledge that you need for them to be successful at whatever it is they're doing. So I think that actually is a is a, a great concept. I can foresee, you know, even though perhaps the SRA are not mandating a specific style of training contract with the way that they're doing the SQE. I can foresee someone like ourselves as a, uh, a training provider to doing perhaps a different style of training contract. Maybe we would do a four-year training contract where you would spend two years within business getting experience maybe within a bank so you understood banking processes, you understood terminology, you know, you worked as part of the back office, as part of the front office, as part of the middle office, some, you know, some other support. And then you became, then you studied legal within a banking environment and became a banking lawyer. Wouldn't that be an incredible training contract? Wouldn't that make you the best banking lawyer there has ever been if you'd spent time working through the different departments of the bank and, and having that understanding. So it's sort of creating a, a lawyer that truly not only understands the legal field of it, but understands the business side of it, understands what it is their client is actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis, how that client works and how the advice that they're giving impacts on that client specifically. Absolutely. And I think that ties very nicely to the beginning of this call where we talked about what is the core concept of a 21st century lawyer. And the core concept is being a business person first. You know, that is becoming, that's where all of the opportunities will be. It's not being someone that the business fears or fears will stop the process because of risk. It's actually being a business person that supports the business, is there to advise the business um, and helps the business to grow and develop, not one that perhaps stifles business, which, you know, and, and I 
don't believe all lawyers do, but traditionally, you know, if you go within large firms, small firms, any firms, you they may see a lawyer as somebody that is risk averse and there to stop them doing business. Whereas, you know, it would be much better if they see a lawyer as part of that support network to help them develop and grow the business and advise them, you know, in the best way possible. And that's what I believe is truly a 21st century lawyer. Well, I think that's a good time to sort of put a pin in it in today's conversation. Um, but before sort of you leave us, um, one final question for you, Kevin. If you were applying for a job at a law firm today, then which law firm would you, would you choose to apply to and why? Well, that is a tricky question. <laughs> well, my first answer would be I wouldn't apply to a law firm. I'd apply to AccuTraining. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> you get the very best lawyers. However, I, you know, of course... You know, it's very tempting to say the magic circle are great, big, powerful law firms and, you know, only the best candidates apply. So I would apply there. But, you know, I've actually seen boutique law firms, you know, mid-sized law firms all um, develop, you know, and uh, I've worked with many of those different types of firms and it's it's they all have slightly different approaches. So, you know, in a small firm, you can feel like a a big fish in a small pond in a large law firm you can sometimes get lost so you might not fit that environment so you may target you know a smaller firm uh i suppose if you really pressed me uh i would uh, i've always been very impressed by uh cms while they're a very traditional corporate law firm i think they have modernized quicker than others i think uh, one thing that I've seen working with them throughout the COVID crisis has been that they really care about their teams um, and they've been um, very good at protecting their legal teams. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Conversations in Law. If you'd like to support me and the show, please rate it five stars on the iTunes store and follow the show on your podcast app. If you'd like more information about this episode and any other episode, then take a look at the trainee blog on the AccuTrainee website, www.accutrainee.com. Thank you for listening.